What are we talking about? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Can't wait! Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Glad you could be here, however it is that you are hanging out with us today. As always, I am Chris and that is Mo. Mo, how are you this morning? Doing great. Ready for another great football weekend. Not to mention there's more postseason baseball. Hockey's in full swing. Gotta love it. Well, someone just offered me a fantasy football trade. They want me to trade Terry McLaren for Deshaun Watson. What? What is this Friday? What is happening today? And of course you said no. Of course <laughs> I said no. This is absolutely wild. And my my starting quarterback in that league is Tua. The hell oh, do wow. I need Deshaun Watson for? At all. Right. That's crazy. That's crazy, Mo. Not as crazy as what we saw last night, though. Well, let's let's break it down. Thursday night football last night, pretty boring, you know, <laughs> for three and a half quarters. Uh, this uh, New Orleans Saints and the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the end, Jacksonville pulls it out, thirty-one twenty-four. So, Mo, let's let's start here. What was, what was your initial reaction to the final result? It was one of those kind of games where I thought. The Saints waited for the second half to really wake up. And just when you think they were back in the game, they were going to drive and take the lead, turn the ball over, Jacksonville goes on a drive. Actually, it's not even a great drive. They do a couple of plays, and on a six-yard pass, Christian Kirk takes it to the house, 38 yards. I mean, it's a 44-yard play, but it's a slant. It's a six-yard slant, and he's out. And that's basically it. And it's not that the Saints didn't have other opportunities. It's just that I thought their last drive, which obviously ended up short, you're at the six-yard line, that that in many ways encapsulates their entire season. Yeah, in the chat, Key said Foster Moreau's got to catch that ball. I agree that Foster Moreau needs to catch that ball. but No doubt. I I wasn't impressed with either team last night, Mo. I mean, the first half of the game was Jacksonville just trying to give the Saints a chance to score points. Right. I mean, the turnovers and the stupid plays by the Jaguars. And last night for three quarters, Derek Carr was doing his best impression of the starting quarterback of the uh, – the guy from, have you seen the movie The Replacements? I have, yeah, I have. But the guy that Keanu Reeves replaces and become when he was a scab quarterback, that right. angry, that angry quarterback who just yells at everyone for no reason. That's what Derek Carr was last night, Mo. And it's fine to be upset when a play doesn't go your way or someone doesn't do their job. You know, that happens a couple of times a game. And yeah, you can be pissed off about that. He was doing it every play. Every third down, he was screaming at someone. He was upset about something. It's because you couldn't run the offense, my guy. It's because you look terrible out there. It was bad. You couldn't do anything. And I'm not even going to sit here and blame his people around him because when you go 33 for 55 and of your 20-plus incomplete passes – uh, you know, half of them were you lawn darting them six yards short into the ground or you missing wide open people. Yes, Kyle, it was Martell. Thank you, sir. Uh, wh- when you can't even figure out where you're supposed to throw the ball, that's an issue. And that's what it was last night for the New Orleans Saints. And yeah, sure, they figured it out in the fourth quarter. But if you ask me, that was the other issue in this game. They shouldn't have figured anything out in the fourth quarter because Jacksonville let them back in the game. Then you right. got the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, as they're putting together what ended up being the game-winning drive, Miles Michaels is talking about how they only have 12 yards passing this entire half. What? 
what what is going on? So you have Jacksonville, who early in the game was just trying to find ways to allow the Saints to score. Saints couldn't do it, couldn't find the end zone. And then the second half, Jacksonville was basically like, well, we're just going to stop playing offense. And, you know, we're just going to hope our defense can just last long enough here, which, as you know, it didn't. And the Saints eventually got back into it. So for me, it was it was really the, a tale of two really inconsistent teams that gave two truly inconsistent performances. And you wake up this morning and they're both still in contention for their division. Jacksonville leads their division, obviously. And even at three and four in that particular division, the Saints are still in play for their division, Mo. But neither one of these teams, as they are comprised today and as they have played so far this season, is prepared to make any sort of noise in the postseason because they are both wildly inconsistent. Wildly inconsistent, and you keep looking for what is Jacksonville's offensive identity. So they have Travis Etienne. They have the ability to run at times. Um, They've got talent on the outside, but they're so inconsistent. Think about this. Take away the 44-yard pass to Christian Kirk, and Sunshine barely passes for 200 yards. Mm -hmm. Like It's not like Jacksonville's offense was overpowering. They, they they were very inconsistent, really couldn't move the ball very – as bad as the Saints' offense was, Jacksonville's offense wasn't any good. The, I guess if you're looking at it on the outside, you it, the perception is they were moving the ball well, but they really weren't moving the ball well at all. You can make a case that both teams did a really good job of trying to give this game away. And I, I guess in the end, if if not for Christian Kirk, we, we could have went into overtime or something like that because he made that play. It, was, it wasn't like Sunshine threw it on a rope. It was a six-yard cut route, and he just took it to the house from there. But I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not very impressed. Look, give Jacksonville credit. They got the win. That's the biggest thing. But I look at Jacksonville, and I don't think they run away with their division. I, it wouldn't even surprise me if the Texans catch them. Like, I, I just don't think they're an overpowering team. I know coming into a season, this season, a lot of people had Jacksonville dominating that division, being a playoff team, ready to take the next step. I don't see that. I don't see that. And when I look at the Saints before the season, I think the consensus was, and we all agreed, it's their division to lose. They, Quarterback-driven league. If you believe in Derek Carr, if he's everything that a lot of people say he is, no problem at all. They're going to win this division. They've got the better defense. How many times have you heard it? Derek Carr's never had a great defense. Well, technically, he doesn't have great defense now. They're they're pretty good, but they're not great. They're not nearly what we thought they were. Like They couldn't get to Trevor Lawrence all night. Trevor Lawrence on a bad wheel, they couldn't get to him all night. I'm kind of like where JG is with Russell Wilson when it comes to David Car- or Derek Carr. I don't see it. I've never saw it. I, I just don't see it. I know a lot of people go, he's the next level quarterback. I-, I don't think so. I don't think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, but he doesn't get nearly the heat that Kirk Cousins gets. And let's not forget, Mo, I think it was, and I haven't seen any injury updates this morning, but he clearly injured his groin last night. Uh, he was very hobbled towards the end of that game. So that is something worth keeping an eye on. If just you are make him angrier. Man. Right, right. Yeah. I'll just make Cause, him cause, yell more. Because he was he was cursing at people, cursing to himself. Like, he was like the angry man, get off my lawn the whole game. Like, I, w- I hope the first question in the post game was, are you okay? Are you mad? Are you all right? Like, right. Right. Are you mad? <laughs> right. Even better. Um, and as much, Mo as I think Foster Moreau should have found a way to pull that ball in. Let's also not ignore the fact that he was wide open in the end zone and Derek Carr put it on his fingertips. Put, put it, put it in the bread basket. It's not, it's not like, it's not like he was covered to the point where that was the only play. It was a busted coverage. He went left. Nobody went with him on defense. He was wide open. If you just drop that in there on his chest, no one's knocking that ball away. You put you just put it out 
too far and he couldn't make the play. Should I think he should have made the play? Yeah, I do. But at the same time, if you're a Saints fan this morning, I don't want to hear, oh, Foster Moreau dropped the ball. <laughs> if Derek Carr just put it on him, you know, maybe it's a different situation. So is it a catchable pass? It is a catchable pass, but it was it wasn't like he hit him on a rope. It wasn't a strike. It, you know what I mean? Like, it, but it was catchable. And I, but let's not make Foster Moreau the the, the go to this game because Chris Olave dropped a couple of passes too. Olave dropped a couple of passes. Derek Carr, like you said, um, he was throwing sliders better some than some MLB pitchers. Like they were going into the ground. Like so, I I don't think he played his best game. He was angry, but if you're a receiver on that team, I think a lot of them were probably angry too. But they just contained themselves a lot better. And to JG's point, this happened like three times last night. He's trying to hit Michael Thomas on go routes up the sideline. And every time it happened, all I all I heard, Mo, was JG in my head saying, why are we running go routes with right, Michael Thomas? Right, right. The only thing that I thought Jacksonville did very well offensively was the winning play. They schemed a mismatch. They got the honey badger on Christian Kirk. He can't cover anymore. Not one-on-one. He might be able to cover in zone. But if you put him on man coverage, he's going to get eaten. They got him isolated, and Christian Kirk literally just ran away from him on a double move. It wasn't even close. So that was a great scheme, a great call. Uh, two more things, Mo. Number one, if you have to continuously pull your quarterback out of the game, you don't have you don't have the right quarterback. I understand that the, I was the wild – I understand the Wildcat last night with Taysom Hill was effective. It's how they got their first touchdown. Um, I think they actually think they got a couple of first downs before that using the Wildcat. So I'm not going to argue the effectiveness of the formation in last night's game because it was effective. Now, I don't watch a lot of Saints football to know how effective it's been the entire season, but it was effective last night. But all I'm saying is you, you you don't see Patrick Mahomes coming off the field so his backup quarterback slash tight end slash wide receiver can come in and run the offense. It's not uh, a good sign when the gimmick guy comes in often as he did. Right. And then my, my second thing, Mo, there were, and I, I, I hate to do it because I, I like him a lot, but Al Michaels needs, needs to sharpen the glasses just a little bit. Just <laughs> I'm asking Al just to do it for me a little bit. And I don't know why it stuck out to me so much. But there were two moments in last night's game where I actually turned to my wife and said, is he watching the same game that we're watching? The first one was an out route to Agnew, uh, where Agnew lays out and he doesn't come close to catching the ball. And Michaels called it a catch. And then as you know, they're like switching sides of the field, Michaels is talking about how, how great of an effort the catch was. Then they go to the replay and the ball was like two and a half yards in front of him. Never touched the ball. The second one was the Kirk touchdown, which Michaels is calling down on the one-yard line. And I'm sitting there like, what? What? They're celebrating the touch. What? How are you saying? Come on, Al. Come on. You got monitors. You see, you see what I see. We're seeing the same things. Like, come on, my guy. Supposedly. <laughs> Suppo- supposedly. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Father Time is undefeated. Al's been a great one for a long time. Everybody can have an off night. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him slide. It, it was look to be. You know this too. Most of that game was boring and ugly to watch. It got That's interesting. What happens. That's in what happens half, so. with Al on Thursday nights. Most he usually gets a lot of really terrible. Ga- I'm surprised he hasn't quit yet, honestly, because he doesn't get good quality football on Thursdays, Mo. I think Al looks at the schedule and they got me again. They got me again. (laughs) Well, good news this morning. If you are a fan of the New York Giants, Saquon Barkley is officially on record. He does not want to be traded this season. Mo, to that I say, well, why the hell would you want to be traded? I understand the New York Giants suck, which they do. I understand the New York Giants are probably going to suck for the rest of the season which they are. However, Saquon knows deep down inside, Mo, the Giants not only like him, they need him. Yes. And the last thing you want to do is be traded somewhere 
that values the running back position even less than the entire league values it right now. You are in a situation in New York where as long as Daniel Jones is your quarterback, Saquon Barkley is needed. And if they were to, for some reason, move on from Daniel Jones and bring in a rookie quarterback, guess what? Saquon Barkley is needed with a rookie quarterback too. So he's in a situation right now where he is needed. So why would he want to go to somewhere else, to another contender that has a good quarterback, that has a good team? Because he wouldn't be needed as much, Mo. Am I wrong? I think you're spot on. Saquon realizes that in New York with the Giants, he is their best football player. He is their best playmaker. That wouldn't be the case if he gets sent to a contender. He'd be a weapon, but he'd just be one of many. If he gets sent to, let's say, the Eagles or something like that, they would use him, but not in the way or he wouldn't get the touches that he does with the Giants. So I get why he said that, but he said that full well knowing he basically, when things are right, is their offense. And also, let's let's not let's not ignore the fact that the trade value for Saquon Barkley, I have no idea what it would actually be, but if you look at recent trades in the NFL and you look at how the league is valuing the running back position, it's not going to be that high. And I think, I think Mo, when you are a superstar and he is a superstar at the running back position, no matter, no matter how you feel about the position of running backs, there are still a handful of backs where you're like, they're, they're the guy at that position. Saquon, when healthy, is a guy, not 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 in a bad way. He's not just a guy, but he is right. a guy at that right. position, right? And there's a pride that comes with that, and there's also a little bit of a pride thing when you you like, I want to be traded, and then someone's like, well, well, we'll give you a sixth, and then you give us Barkley in a seventh. Like that's that hurts, <laughs> Mo. That's not. It does hurt. Like, and I think he realizes that when, when the league values the running back position as it does with his injury history, he isn't going to fetch a first round pick. He that isn't is going to fetch elite, an elite return. So when you want out, assuming he even did in the first place, but I, I think, and you know, you can call me naive and you can call me like, oh, you're looking, you're looking too much into it, Chris. If I see myself, as one of the best players at my position, I'm going to feel a certain way if I start trying to figure out what my trade value is and they're telling me it's a six-round draft pick. That hurts a little bit, Mo. That hurts a lot. That hurts That that that, that hurts to your core, but that also tells you you can be one of the best running backs in football and the value for you is not there, right? Because teams are saying – I can go out and get a starting running back with a third or fourth round pick, maybe a fifth round pick. I'm I'm not going to trade a first round pick for a running back or a second round pick, probably not a third round pick. It, it just, it, it, where they're at right now at this stage in the, in the league, in the era that we're in, that's just where it is. Like you hear the rumors that maybe the Titans are looking to move on from Derek Henry. Derek Henry's not going to fetch a, a, a major pick either. He's not going to get a second or third round pick as well. Maybe He'll get worse because Derrick Henry, because of the kind of runner he is, a contact runner, he's got a lot of miles on that body. He's 29 years old, but his body might read more like 32 or 33. It's just the reality of being that type of running back. If you're a contact running back, your career, it shortens even more so. Uh, and he's got to play in a specific system because he's either in the one back, two tight end set, or he's in an eye formation because he's a one cut running back. And not every system is geared towards that. We don't talk about punters and kickers a lot in this league, Mo. Usually if we are talking about a punter or a kicker, it's usually bad. It's usually because they did something wrong. They missed a uh, kick. It was a terrible punt. Um, they got blown up on a punt return. We see that happen to punters right. all the time. Right. I enjoy uh, that. I, I enjoy that as well. But usually if we're, if we're specifically talking about a punter or a kicker, it's usually not good for said punter or kicker. Uh, this one has a little bit of a different spin on it. Uh, Tommy Townsend, who is the punter for the Kansas City Chiefs, he is working through some injury issues, and he apparently is going to be questionable for the game this weekend. 
And the special teams coach for the Kansas City Chiefs has come out and said that the current backup punter on the roster, and you're, listen carefully, is Patrick Mahomes. He then went on to elaborate that Patrick punts the ball all the time in practices, and he's really, really good at it. And if they need to go to a backup, they're not going to have another punter on the team. Patrick will handle punting duties. Mo, I will tell you right now, and I will say this in no uncertain terms. If Patrick Mahomes punts a ball in a real NFL game, Andy Reid should be fired on the spot. There is zero, zero, zero reason your franchise quarterback, the best quarterback in the league, should be punting a goddamn football in an NFL game. You do not pay this man to punt the f- – I don't care how good he is, Mo. I don't care if he is the best damn punter the NFL has ever seen. If you want him to punt the ball that bad, make him your damn punter because you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to see Patrick Mahomes back there punting the football. And they're going to run right into him. And they are going to say, we are not going to be Im- – he is already embarrassing us up and down the field. We are not going to sit here and allow him to punt the damn ball. And Kyle in the chat told me Brady punt. I don't care what Tom Brady did, all right? And I know that I think Doug Flutie did a drop punt at one point in his career as well, or he had to kick a field goal. I, I, I don't care. You are. Why would you put Patrick Mahomes in that, that spot and open him up to that risk? Because you know what, Mo, there is there is one way this goes right. He doesn't get hurt nothing happens. That is the only benefit of this. Are you telling me you you have 53 people on that roster outside of Townsend and Mahomes? The other 51 can't kick a ball adequately enough? Have you one know of the what? receivers do it. Go for it on fourth down. Just keep I'd going. Ra- like Just keep going for it. Yeah, right? Like, you cannot sit here and convince me that there is a legitimate reason why Patrick Mahomes needs to be punting the football in a game. Anyone else can kick a ball. It's not hard. It may not, they may not do it great. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay the punting position, but I'm pretty sure that you can have any other athlete on your team go back there and and, and do something or just have Patrick Mahomes go for it. Mo, where, where do you sit on this? Because I, I just don't see the benefits of Patrick Mahomes punting the football. It's an insane thought, and like you said, if it actually happened, Andy Reid should be fired uh, before, right after he fires the special teams coach. Because if I'm the opposing special teams coach, and, and I'm not saying you try to injure anybody on purpose, but I will tell my guys, we're going to go in block formation, and we're going to go for it, and I'll take that rough in the kicker penalty if it, if it in some way hampers Patrick Mahomes, right? Because... He's probably putting it on us anyway more times than not. Why would you put your franchise quarterback at risk at all? It, it Look, like you said, anybody can kick the ball. No disrespect to punters. Maybe not at a high level, but I'd have one of those receivers kick the ball. They're not catching the ball, so they might as well kick the ball. Uh, I'd have one of those guys in pump <laughs> formation because they're not, they're not doing anything else. They're just, they're just getting good cardio, just running up and down the field. So I'd, I'd rather go that route. But I'm not putting my franchise quarterback at risk. At, at a, there, he's already at risk in the situation that he's in. But you put him in punt formation. Uh, that's insane. Uh, the special teams coach, when he made that statement, did he make that with Andy Reid's blessing? Do you know what I mean? Or did he make that before Andy Reid said, "That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen." We'll 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 put we'll put. Uh, a couple of the, the receivers back there or back a running back back there, but we're not going to put Patrick Mahomes. Matter of fact, put the backup quarterback back there and let him do it. Well, maybe he's not as good of a punter as Patrick Mahomes, Mo. <laughs> and the, the other part of this, and if you're looking at it from just an X's and O's perspective, I'm sure as an athlete during practice, just goofing around the guys, Patrick Mahomes can probably punt a ball pretty damn far. I have I am completely confident that when the special teams coach says Mahomes is a good punter, he has probably seen him bomb the ball during practice. I'm fine with that. It's different in a game situation because although Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback, 
is used to reading defenses and seeing pressure. He hasn't done that as a punter. And I doubt, and now I have never played NFL quarterback and I have never played NFL punter, Mo, but I'm willing to bet it looks different. I'm willing to bet when you are lined up in shotgun and you are analyzing a defense, it's not the exact same thing you see when you are in the backfield as a punter and you're getting ready to punt the ball away and they're going to come try to block the punt because Mo, like you said, they're going to try to come block the punt because let's, let's just look, let's, let's play. Let's look in the mystery ball here. All right. Crystal ball is pulled out Mo because if the chiefs win that game, even if they lose the game, what's the highlight package going to show? It's going to show Mahomes punts. And if you're already losing the game and you're the special teams coordinator and you're trying to get your team back into it and you have an inexperienced punter back there who's never punted in an NFL game before, you're going to take the most exotic punt blocking scheme you have and you are going to throw it at him because it might actually work because maybe Mahomes is nervous back there because he's never done it before. So he's half a second slower or his punt formation or whatever you want to call it. His technique is a little long because in practice, he doesn't have someone barreling down on him, trying to hit him and block the ball. All right. So I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I mean, or maybe, maybe he punts it from a lower angle, right? Maybe easier to block his style of punt, right? Because it is different, right? The protection is complete. The punt protection, the guys in front of you that are in the punt formation, those are different guys. That's not your normal offensive line. It is a completely different situation. The speed is, is a lot different. I'm just saying it's not a little thing to put your franchise quarterback out there to punt. I, I don't care how good a punter he is in practice. I'm not doing that. Chase, the reason we're talking about this is your special teams coordinator has said that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the emergency punter. That's why anyone in the world thinks this is going to happen. It's because one of your coaches has come out and said that this is where we are. And then he took it a step further and hyped up his punting abilities. That is why we are having this conversation. And like I said, Mona, I'm, I'm glad we both agree on this. If he actually goes back to punt a football, Heads should roll in Kansas City, and I don't care how great of a head coach Andy Reid is. I mean, I don't think he would allow that, but if he does, it, it in my opinion, Mo, totally, totally unacceptable. All right, Mo, let's take a quick break here this morning. I got, I got, I got fired up. I got a little fired up with that. Just a little bit. Just, a, I mean, I feel like Derek Carr. I feel like how Derek Carr. I don't think you're night. that bad. I don't think you're that bad. You weren't cursing. You're I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. I, I, I felt like a little a little a little carish. So we're gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, we're gonna talk about Michael Vick and the Hall of Fame. We are gonna talk about Jerry Judy and his response to Steve Smith. And we are gonna talk about Micah Parsons and how he feels the Cowboys should be treated just like the Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers are treated, Mo. Uh, all of that plus NFL picks happening on the other side of the break right here. Stay with us. Coffee and sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Hey, guys. It's Pavel the Cat. And Evan Rev Runners. And we are two guys in Hockey Talk. We are here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to talk all things hockey. What are we talking about, Evan? We talk KHL, AHL, ETHL, every HL hockey league you can think about, prospects, juniors, even the professional women's hockey league. Yeah, we love it. And we have a website, Two Guys in Hockey Talk. So give us a follow. we got articles on all things related to hockey. And we're writing all throughout the season. So make sure you're tuning in. We're also on X or Twitter. Uh, you can find me at hockey underscore two. And you can follow me at Revan M. Or you can also go to twoguysandhockeytalk.com to follow everything. We love hearing from you guys. So make sure you tune in, comment, like. Give us a follow on our Facebook and YouTube page. We love hearing from you guys. And it's a blast talking all things hockey. Right, Evan? Hey, man, it is. So as we say every show, in the meantime and in between time. Keep your sticks on the ice. Cheers. Cheers. I learn Welcome. something every time I watch these spots. I do. Those, I guys are, those guys are great. Let me point out, shout out to the women's. Pro Hockey League. 
I don't know how I didn't catch that before, but that's awesome that they have a professional women's hockey league. That's great. That is. It's pretty cool. Uh, welcome back here to Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show with Chris and Mo. And Mo, I have a Hall of Fame question for you. Michael Vick was recently asked whether or not he sees himself as a Hall of Fame quarterback. And surprisingly, he didn't give kind of a cookie-cutter response to it that I feel most people in that position would give. You know, something like it would be an honor. You know, um, I, I put. I think I did the best I could in my career. It's out of my hands. If if I receive the opportunity, I'm blessed. Uh, he didn't say that. He said that I don't think I did enough in my NFL career to be worthy of that accomplishment. Wow. So I know. So he and and you know you you could look at it, Mo, and you could say that maybe that is kind of a cookie cutter response. You know, maybe he's just downplaying it and, you know, he's not going to, you know, sit here and call himself a Hall of Famer. That way people like us don't come out and rip him and say he's not a Hall of Famer or whatever the case might be. Uh, but, you know, Mo, I'm, I'm going to ask you anyway, is, is is Michael Vick a Hall of Famer? No, I, I don't think he is. I don't like, look. I'm, I'm going to go with what he said because he was being honest. He didn't do enough. Um, and if you look at the breadth of his career. Right. And, and probably at his peak when he was with the Falcons. Maybe one of the most electric football players I've ever seen. Uh, exciting, explosive. The guy had an he had an arm. I mean, he could, he could make every throw in the book, but he wasn't an accurate passer. He wasn't a good passer of the football. He was an incredible athlete, and to this day, I'll say that the the, the Falcons' best offensive plays when where they call passes and then he would take off and run. Those were their best offensive plays. So he was exciting. He was spectacular. But I would put him in the same category that I would put a guy like Randall Cunningham and guys of that ilk. They had three or four really exciting years. They were explosive. But they're not all-time greats. They're not Hall of Famers. They're very good. And if there's a Hall of very good, they would be in them. I, I, Michael Vick um, is, is spot on about his own career. He just didn't do enough. Unfortunately, I, I kind of side with you here, Mo. Um, but I, I will say this. I, I will play devil's advocate, and I, and I will say this. And it's not going to be a great argument because his numbers are his numbers. And he obviously missed playing time because of some off-the-field stuff. And I'm not even looking at the off-the-field stuff as a reason why he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm looking at it from the sense of, when when it's when his time comes and his name is on the ballot, do any of the voters look at it and say he changed the game a little and look at his impact on the game from the quarterback position? Because if after Michael Vick came in the league and it, he didn't do it to the level that Steph Curry did it, but what he did do was he opened the door for the mobile quarterback for the run first quarterback for the quarterback position to be able to do some of the things that he did. Yes. There were quarterbacks prior to him that could run the ball. I mean, look at Warren moon. He, he, he could do both, right? He could run and he could pass the ball. I'm not saying that no other quarterback before Michael Vick could run the ball. But what I am saying is that Michael Vick, like you said, was 100% absolutely electric with his feet. And he did things with his feet as a quarterback that we have never seen before. And I would argue that because of what he did at the quarterback position, other quarterbacks similar in a skill set after Michael Vick probably got opportunities in the league because of Michael Vick. Because now you're looking at now you're looking at guys and saying could they be the next Vick? Could I could I find what Michael Vick had? Could I capture that? And maybe, maybe this guy has a little bit better of an arm, not as far as a cannon, because Vic had a cannon. You know, Vic could run around one side of the field to the other and then launch it 60 or 70 yards down the field. He wasn't the most accurate quarterback. He didn't quite have that uh, the nuance of a soft passing game. And I, I think we can all agree with that. Um, but I, I do think there is an argument to be made about the impact that he had and the impact that he had for his type of quarterback after him. Now, despite making that argument, Mo, I still don't think I would vote him into the Hall of Fame. Um, I think I'd have a, a serious conversation about it, 
And I think during that conversation, I would lament about what he accomplished in the league. And I would kind of hold him up a little higher as a result of that conversation. But I still don't think it's quite enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. And you make a great point that he may have opened the door for, let's say, a Lamar Jackson being where he is, or before him, a Cam Newton. But I'll look at it this way, too. Lamar Jackson is has had a very good career to this point. But he's not. If he stopped playing right now today, we wouldn't call him a Hall of Famer. We wouldn't. And I'm only saying that to say this: with the career that he's had right now, his career is actually better than Michael Vick's was. Just in the limited time that he played, he's had a better career than Michael Vick, and I wouldn't call him a Hall of Famer. So I, I think that Michael. I'm not saying Michael Vick's overrated. I think he's rated right, right where he should be. He was electric. He did open the door for another wave and another style of quarterback, but he's not a Hall of Famer. You want to say he's a trendsetter? I'll give him that. I can't put him on par with Steph because we can both agree he literally changed the game. Correct. Michael Vick may have added an element to the game. I don't think he changed the game. So, Mo, we had we talked about Jerry Judy a couple days ago with his uh, his fun little interaction with Steve Smith Sr. And we, we, we all got Steve Smith's side of it. Uh, we got that live on the broadcast for Thursday Night Football last week. So we all know where Steve sides on this situation, but Jerry Judy this week uh, finally addressed it and nothing really surprising Mo, but I thought it was worth circling back to Um, Jerry Judy basically said that he heard Steve Smith's comments on the podcast in which Steve Smith basically called him a Jag, just a guy and was basically alluding to the fact that, you know, he wasn't very good. He was a middle of the pack wide receiver. He wasn't an impact maker. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing for the Broncos. And whether he played or not, it it didn't really matter because it wasn't affecting the Broncos anyway, as far as being positive when he was on the field. So he heard those comments. And then we fast forward to last week's game. And Jerry Judy's perspective was this. If you're going to talk crap about me, and you're going to be on your podcast and you're, you're going to come at me and you're going to be a certain way and you're going to make it personal. And that's fine. Do you. But don't come up to me like we're friends when I see you in person. Don't come up to me with a big smile, you know, trying to dap me up. No. Like if, if you're going to say stuff about me, and you're going to come at me that way and you're going to attack me. That's that's cool. Like you, That's fine. But you're not going to come up to me like that didn't happen or anything like that. He then went on to say that he didn't know that. uh Steve Smith was going to apologize to him. No one, no one gave him that heads up. And then obviously once, you know, Steve felt disrespected, uh, he, he wasn't going to, you know, push that door open further. He kind of went into his own feelings. Uh, Judy said, and you know, again, th- th- this is what he says after what he actually have done it. I don't know. Uh, but Judy said that had he known that Steve Smith was trying to apologize, that he would have at least heard him out. Uh, he, he said he didn't know if it would have changed his perspective at all, but he would have at least heard him out. Uh, But he defended what he did by saying that don't talk about me one way when we're not in person and then try to come across like we're friends while we're in person. And then he wrapped it up by saying that this whole thing is the, the whole reason I'm talking about this right now is because then Steve Smith went to the media and made it a bigger issue than it needed to be. It didn't need to be this big of an issue. It was just between me and him. It didn't have to be all this. So, Mo, where, where, where do you sit on that? I like everything that Jerry Judy had to say after the fact. Um, I think he gave it some thought. He approached it and spoke on it with a lot of perspective, and I respect that. And he's right. They, they could have handled this in private. Um, Steve Smith kind of made it more of a national thing. He's on a national primetime broadcast and Jerry Judy slights him and Steve Smith. And to be fair, Steve Smith being Steve Smith, he explodes and goes on this rant that we all heard and basically said, Jerry Judy's a tier three receiver. Um, That I'm not agreeing with what Steve Smith said, but if you know, Steve Smith, that reaction That's not surprising or shocking at all. Steve Smith, the football player, was very emotional. And I know he's part of the the media. He's an analyst now. 
and he should show a little bit more restraint and composure. That's really not who he is. I'm I'm in agreement with Jerry Judy. It's something that they could have handled in private. And the idea that if had he heard him out, that doesn't mean they would be friends or he would agree, but he, he would at least have had the conversation. And, and look, I hope both these guys at some point do just sit down, have a conversation and be done with it. Because to be fair, if you are part of the media or an analyst, or if you do a podcast or do what we do on the morning show, you're, you're going to ruffle some feathers. If I don't say player A is as great as he thinks he is, I think that he's he's more of a a, a backup receiver or a two instead of a one. Player A, is gonna, he's going to be offended, right? He's going to be – that guy Mo doesn't know football. He says that I'm not a number one receiver, and, and he might he might feel some type of way by me saying that, but that's not me attacking him. I'm just looking at his performance and judging him off of what I see. Zach Wilson probably doesn't like us. He does not like us. I know this for a fact. He probably there, won't, have, there, he won't have breakfast with us. He will not, he, and he will not invite us to the barbecue. We're not invited to the barbecue, that's for sure. And, and, and again, I don't dislike Zach Wilson. I don't disagree that he can be an NFL quarterback. He's in the NFL. He's the quarterback of the New York Jets. I don't think he's a very good starting quarterback. Don't kill me for saying that. Guess what? Minshew, who's now the, the Colts starting quarterback, who I think is a very good backup. I don't think he's a great starting quarterback as well, but he's a good, capable backup. I can give you a compliment. I think Zach Wilson is a very good, capable backup quarterback. How about that? How about that? How about this? Uh, Micah Parsons went on his podcast, and he talked about how he is tired, tired, Mo, of the media disrespecting the Dallas Cowboys. He said that when Dallas loses a game or when Dallas has a bad play, that's all we talk about. He wants to know where is it for San Francisco? Where is it for the Eagles? They both lost. They both lost this week to teams that weren't very good, but they're not getting killed in the media. They're not getting torn apart, but every time Dallas loses a game, you know, it's memes, it's national headlines, it's it's the lead story on first take, right? Like, Dallas loses, it's low-hanging fruit, ripe for the picking. Philly loses, it's excuses. San Francisco loses, it's excuses. Micah just wants it to be fair, Mo. What say you? <laughs> he came to the Dallas Cowboys. He got drafted to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure he knows the history, right? If you put on that helmet, if you put on that star, that's an automatic target, right? Millions and millions of people love the Dallas Cowboys. We, we both would agree with that. But there's probably millions more who don't like the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have been the most polarizing team in the National Football League for the better part of 25 years, maybe longer. That just comes with the star the expectations. And, and and I get it. It's not fair. It's not fair. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 95. That's a long time ago. Here's the thing, though. I'm a Niners fan. We haven't won one since 94. It's been longer for us. People forget that because the Niners have been a little bit more relevant. They've gone to a couple of more Super Bowls, but they've lost. I'm a bottom, I'm a bottom line guy. We still lost. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are polarizing. And when they rise or when they fall, people want to speak on it a lot. Now, we don't we don't make a point to spend our whole time when we do the morning show analyzing the Cowboys ups and downs. We'll go over it and then we'll keep it moving. I think when we talk Cowboys, at least you and I, we're usually really focusing on the play of QB1. We, we, we don't attack the defense. We don't talk about the offensive line shortcomings or Mike McCarthy's play calling unless he does something really god-awful. Which is we, awful. We, <laughs> more times than it should be. Fair, fair. But I, we don't go out of our way to go, man, the Cowboys lost. Can't wait to talk about it. It's not that kind of thing for us. I can't speak to other analysts or under other pundits because the same way that during the NBA season, if you want good ratings, just start having a conversation about LeBron and where he ranks all time. If you want good ratings, during the football season, whether they're relevant or not, just start talking about Dallas and you will get a reaction. That's just money. 
And that's why they talk about them. They are the most polarizing team in football. And when you speak on them, for whatever reason, it's good TV. And Mo, I agree with everything that you just said. And I'm going to add this to it. When you're a good team, you're allowed to lose one or two games. San Francisco and the Eagles are both good teams. They also have good track records. If you look at the recent success over the last decade, decade and a half for San Francisco and Philadelphia, there's Super Bowl appearances in there. I believe they've gone combined to four Super Bowls between those two teams in the last 10 to 15 years. Also, during that time span, they've won a bunch of playoff games. Double-digit playoff wins combined for those two teams. You're looking at two franchises that are consistently in the playoffs, consistently winning playoff games, and there's a handful of Super Bowl appearances between those two teams over the last decade, decade and a half. What has Dallas done in the last two decades? They've won three wildcard games. That's it. Three wild card games so you're sitting here complaining because you're not being viewed the same as an eagles team or a san francisco team which has had a lot of recent success in the nfc and you've done nothing that is why and you have an owner that comes out and says we are super bowl bound we are super bowl ready when y'all talk the talk that you talk and then you lose the way you lose on a consistent basis, and you're not progressing. You're not winning division games. You're not winning uh, AFC or NFC championship games. You're not getting to Super Bowls. I'm not even saying win the damn Super Bowl, Mo. I'm saying win more than Make a wild card game, and and win more than a wild card game on a regular basis. Because you're not even doing that. It's not like you're winning wild card games every season, and you just can't get past the next round. No, no, no. Every now and then you win a wild card game and then you'll lose the next round. Like that's, that's what is happening in Dallas. So Micah, that's why, that's why the media doesn't cut Dallas any slack because you put in our faces every season, how you're a Super Bowl contender and you consistently do nothing. Whereas teams like San Francisco, who by the way are better than you and teams like Philadelphia, who by the way are better than you, are putting their money where their mouth is because they're making it to Super Bowls and they're winning playoff games and they're doing it with seventh round quarterbacks who started playing midway through the season because the other two quarterbacks got injured. Like, come on, Dallas, you just stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. That's all you I know what? Say, if, in in many ways, Micah Parsons saying the things that he said. He's a cowboy. He it fits. He is. Right? He's, He's a cat. Him him reacting and handling things the way that he handled it in very many ways. It fits with the Cowboys. It's perfect. All right, Mo. We got Week Seven coming up this weekend. We're gonna close out the morning show by going through all the games and making our picks. It's the Chris and Mo picks here on the morning show. Oh, let's go. Let's get into it. We have the New England Patriots heading to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, this in in the past. Uh, the Bills have struggled with the Patriots. I don't foresee that happening this weekend. Uh, I think the Patriots are in complete disarray. Um, I don't think they even have a quarterback on their roster that they like. They are going to Buffalo. Buffalo is going to look at this as an opportunity to make up ground on Miami. Miami has a very tough game in Philadelphia this week. This should be an easy Roll them up at home win for the Buffalo Bills. I still think we're going to see a little bit of inconsistency from Josh Allen because that's who he is. Uh, but I think they're going to win this by two or three touchdowns easily, Mo. What say you? I think the Bills win this football game, but I'm with you. Josh Allen being a little wild with the football may keep New England in it for a little bit. He may he may give them opportunities to play with a shorter field and they'll get some opportunities to score points. I just don't think when you look at New England, where where is the firepower? Where are the playmakers on the outside? The hope was that their running game was going to carry them, and that hasn't happened. I think the Buffalo Bills win this comfortably as well. I, I don't think this is going to be a close football game, even if Josh Allen is a little sloppy with football. 
Uh, Baltimore goes to Detroit. A lot of people, Mo, were high on Baltimore coming off last week. I I didn't see it. I, I didn't understand what they were looking at with Lamar in the off. Like They played well. I'm not trying to take any, anything away from the Ravens, but I heard a lot of people in the national media like saying, oh, the, the Ravens have hit their stride. This is the best they've looked on offense this season. And again, I, I just I didn't see it. And I don't think they're going to win this week in Detroit. I think that the Lions have a really good defense, and I think Detroit is going to pull out. A, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I think Detroit pulls out a close game. I'm going with the Lions. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game as well. I'm thinking somewhere 20 to 17 or something of that nature. But I think in the end, the Lions have the better offense and they've got a better defense. Indianapolis goes to Cleveland. I, I can't pick against Cleveland. I, after what they did on defense last week, I mean, Gardner is going to be the quarterback for the – I I don't. I mean, it's not going to be a pretty game. It could be a 12-6 to 6 or a 12-9 to 9 game. I don't think we're going to see a lot of offense in this game, but I'm, I'm going to go Cleveland. It, it's probably going to be a close game, a low-scoring game, but I trust in that Cleveland defense. They, they've sold me. Their, their record sometimes doesn't show you just how good that defense is, that they're holding offenses to 200 yards total offense throughout the season. That's insane. Minshew's a good quarterback, but after what they did to Purdy, I think Minshew's in for a long day. Tampa Bay goes to Atlanta. This is a big game, though. This is uh, first place in the division. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Tampa thought? Bay and who Atlanta, week seven. Division on the line, uh, three and one, uh, the three and two Tampa Bay Buccaneers, three and three Falcons. It's in Atlanta. I I, I got to ride Baker. I got to go with Baker Magic. I got to. I mean, I, I kind of like Atlanta more at home, but then I say, no, I'm going Baker. I'm going with Baker until he proves me wrong. So Baker it is. And, and I can't, I cannot bet Atlanta anymore. They break my heart every time. They do. I look. I, I'm going with Baker, but watch. This is the game where Ritter throws for 300 plus yards, and he finally remembers that Kyle Pitts is on the roster. So you know yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Baker. Pitts is going to go eight for 120 and two touchdowns. Yeah, and... Bijan B. Robinson <laughs> is going to rush for about a, a buck fifty. It's going to happen. Uh, the Chicago Bears head over to Las Vegas to play the Raiders in a Do we even care about this game contest? Uh, Fun fact, Matt Eberflus has never won back-to-back -back games as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He has coached 23 games and never won two in a row. Crazy. Uh, the Bears aren't going to win. It's going to be the be the Raiders. I go Raiders. Uh, wow, this is an ugly game probably. I'm going to go Raiders. I mean, the, the only real interest in this game is, uh, I guess, for draft position, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the New York Giants are heading to the Washington Commanders. I'm going to take Washington. I can't pick the Giants, Mo. I'm sorry. I'm going to take Washington. Look, they've rode a little up and down thing with Sam Howell. I think it's when Sam Howell plays under control, um, obviously the offense does a lot better. I trust Sam Howell, though, better than any quarterback that the Giants can put out there. I trust the the Redskins front seven, even though they haven't been as good as we projected. But I'm but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Commanders. I'm gonna go with the Commanders. Seattle travels to Arizona. Arizona is a feisty team, Mo, but I don't think they're feisty enough to overcome Seattle. I think it might be closer than we think. I'm not expecting a blowout, uh, but I'll take Seattle on the road. I think this week Geno and the crew right the ship. Geno's gonna be more in command of the offense. I think he will have a clean game. He'll protect the football. They'll win this game. The Rams travel to the Steelers. I know if you look at the Steelers' record and then you look at their defense, you're like, hey, this is this is not that bad of a situation. I have zero stock in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I am going with the Rams. I'm going with the Rams, not because I don't think Pittsburgh has a good defense. I just don't trust their offense. What, what mm -hmm. are you going to get from their offense? And with the Rams, we know it's real simple. If Matthew Stafford can get protection of on a play here and there, he's gonna he's gonna beat you. Matthew Stafford will make one throw that will win that football game. So I'm gonna go with the Rams too. Uh, Green Bay Packers host the Denver Broncos. Mo, in my opinion, there is zero reason that Green Bay should lose this game. 
So as a result, I'm taking Denver. I <laughs> I don't uh, hey, you know, I I I, I got to pick an underdog somewhere in here. Uh I don't like what Jordan Love has been doing. I feel like he's been regressing and I think that in a it, it it just all sets up. They've had they coming off the bye week. They had all this time to prepare for Denver. They're at home. Denver looks like garbage. I just think that Green Bay is going to lay an egg coming off their bye, and Denver is going to pick up their second win. I don't know. I could be wrong. Denver could lose by 40. Who who, who knows? But I'm going Denver this week. Man, I, I it's lonely on this limb. It's okay, Mo. You don't got to come with me. I, I don't like what I've seen in Jordan Love, but, man, I, 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 I you know what? I want Russell Wilson to do well. I do. I do. I don't think he's toast yet, even though he's looked that way. But my gut feeling is Packers at home. I'm going to take the Packers. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs are traveling to the Chargers. Uh, This should be a marquee matchup, right? Like, you should be excited about this game. And then you look at how the Chargers played last week against the Cowboys, and you're like, "Ah, I don't know. Or it was a Thursday, excuse me, or Monday. Uh, but you look at it and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. The Chargers offense didn't look that great. And it wasn't a game where the Dallas Cowboys defense was flat out dominant because they weren't. It was just a sloppy performance by the Chargers in a game mode that you and I both thought would be one of their better performances because of who they were playing right. and because of the Kellen Moore connection. We thought that there was ever a game where the Chargers were going to stand up and, you know, make some noise. It was going to be that one. So despite that, and despite that disappointment, I think it's going to come a a week late. I think it's going to come this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm going to go Chargers in the upset. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, even though I think you make great points. And I think the concern here for me, or any Kansas City fan anyway, is if the Chargers can get 21 points on the board, can Kansas City match? Because right now, I think if they can't, they're not built to be in a shootout right now. But but I'm going to take the Chiefs just because I believe in Pat Mahomes. But I can I completely understand where you're coming from by picking Chargers. Listen, there's a lot of extra things going on here. Will Patrick Mahomes punt the football? Will Taylor Swift be there? <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot it's of elements a lot of elements to this game that we don't have the answers to yet, Mo. So we have an incomplete data set while we're trying to make this pick right now. I totally forgot about the the Taylor Swift factor. Right, right. A lot goes into that. Uh, Sunday night football. It is the game of the week. The five and one Philadelphia Eagles at the five and one Miami Dolphins. Obviously, you know where I'm going, but I'm going to instead of making my pick, I'm going to I'm going to leave you with this mo before you make your pick. I know a lot is being made by certain people about the Philadelphia Eagles defense, and they do have a great defense. But I want to point this out: last season, the Philadelphia Eagles, when playing man to man in the secondary, they were the third best defense in the league in man to man coverage. This season, they are 24th. I also want to point out. That last season, consistently throughout the season, the Eagles were a top 10 defense in pass coverage. This season, they're 20th. I'm not saying the Eagles don't have a good defense. I'm not saying that the Eagles can't win this game. And I'm not saying that the Eagles don't have the ability to rattle Tua. What I am saying is this. The secondary for the Philadelphia Eagles, statistically, is their weakness this season. The offense for the Miami Dolphins in that passing game is their strength. I also want to point out, because this this has been thrown at me all week, Mo, you guys played one team. You played Buffalo, and look what happened. Yeah, we, we, got, our, we got our brains bashed in, Mo. Buffalo has a really good offense that's clicking. The Eagles' offense isn't, and it hasn't been through six weeks. Did the Eagles magically figure out what their offense was in six days? I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe the Eagles come out and they win this game 31-14 to and Miami gets run over again. It's possible. But all I'm saying is you're looking at a defense where their pass protection or their secondary is the weakest on the unit. That benefits Miami. And I don't think that the Dolphins are going in here and playing a Buffalo type of offense. I think they're playing an offense that can be explosive, 
but has also been wildly inconsistent this season, especially when it comes to turning the football over. Because of that, I'm taking Miami because that's what I do, Mo. You're a true fan. Um, I'm looking at the matchup, and for me, this this game really comes down to can they get to Tua? Can they get to Tua? Because if you can get pressure on Tua, you also relieve pressure on your secondary. If Tua doesn't have time to pass, if somebody's in his face, or if they make him get off where he wants to launch and have him move, it changes everything. So the key is the Philly front seven versus Tua and the Miami offensive line. Uh, the, 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 the other matchup, the Eagles offense versus the Miami's defense, that'll happen, and there'll be wins and losses on both sides, right? I think your your, your defense will have moments. Hurts and company will have moments as well. For the sure. Bigger, the bigger matchup is going to be their defense versus your offense. And for that reason, I'm going to take Miami because I, I think they will get to Tua, but I don't think it'll be a feeding frenzy. I think Tua gets rid of the ball too fast. Even if they have to dink and dunk the ball up the field, Maybe they don't get the 80-yard explosive play, but they get a 15-yard play. They get a six-yard play. What happens is, though, when he starts eating you alive with those little dink and dunks, your, safety ha- your safeties drop. They come up, and it creates those mismatches. I'm going to pick Miami, but I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think fairly decent score. I'm thinking 2017, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Uh, I, the Eagles are going to score points in this game. No, no part of me believes that the Dolphins are going to hold the Eagles under 20. Uh, the Dolphins give up points. It, it is Part of that is the fact that they score a lot of points. So opposing offenses just have more opportunities to sure. score. Another part of that is Miami has an average defense. I mean, I'm not going to hide from that, Mo. Um, <clears throat> it's middle of the pack at best right now. So the, the Eagles are going to have opportunities to score, and I think they are going to score. Um, it's just a matter of can the Eagles' defense – in their secondary hold up against Miami's offense. And I, I think Miami's going to fare <clears throat> better against the Eagles defense than they did against Buffalo's defense. So that's, that's how I feel heading in. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think the dolphins are going to get embarrassed. It MO, should be will, the best game. It should be the be. best game on the weekend. And Mo, I will say this because this is an, another, you know, narrative that I've seen coming in. It's very easy to, Look at this from the Miami perspective and say, well, they've played six games. They're five and one. Look at the teams they beat. Uh, the best team on their schedule so far is Buffalo. And look how that went. That's fair. I'm, I'm not going to argue or dispute any of that. Let me flip it over to the other side. Look at the Eagles. They started five and zero. Oh. Their offense wasn't where they needed it to be. They lost a game to a team they probably shouldn't have lost to. And now they're playing a good team. What if they lose this game too? Now you've lost two in a row. Now your offense still isn't right. Now we start to ask questions. Are things kind of coming apart for Phil? Like I'm just saying, it works both ways, doesn't it, Mo? Like when you, when you want when you when you want to frame things about who the game is most important for, it, it works both ways. And when you frame it that way, when you frame it that way, then it becomes a big game for both teams, right? Right. Right. Because if Philly loses, that's back to back losses. And that puts more questions about your offense or your team as a whole than, than than coming in. And if Miami wins, it shows, yeah, they're not they're not just for show. They can beat some of the better teams as well. I, I think it is a big game. You can call it a statement game, if you will. It's not going to change, I think, either team's season, but it is an impactful game that does matter to both football teams. Um, so you're right, framing is everything. Um, for me, I'm framing it as. We're talking about two of the best teams in football matching up. It should be the best game of the weekend. Um, it's a big game, period. I agree. All right, Mo. What a way to wrap up the week here on Coffee and Sports, the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Shout out to everyone who was joining us in the chat this morning. Uh, Kyle and Jory and Key were making the picks right along with us this morning. We Love appreciate it. all of you. Uh, shout out to Gene, who was in the chat earlier. Uh, surprising surprising Phillies loss last night to the Diamondbacks. Uh, JG said he thought they would get one and they got one. So I'm interested to see if they can tie it up before they go back to Philly. Um, but shout out to Gene for being in the chat this morning. Uh, Mo, close us out, sir. 
Thanks to everybody for watching us, checking us out. Check out all the great content that we have to offer at Sports Empire Network. We'll see you Monday, Coffee Sports in the Morning with Chris and Mo. Check out the Empire. Right back here on Monday morning, breaking down everything from what is sure to be a wild NFL weekend. The Falcons are probably going to win in a blowout game. The Cardinals are probably going to win in a blowout. It's probably going to be nonsense all over the league. That's what we deal with every Monday, Mo. Every Monday we deal with nonsense. Oh, that's all I got, Mo. It's great, great seeing you this week. And, and don't forget, don't forget, you know what? Sometimes the Friday show could be the just in case you missed it show because we didn't really talk about it. But the Colorado loss, the Colorado <laughs> loss, I'm just saying that was brutal. We, we didn't really get into it, and that's fine, but uh, that was rough to watch. That's what happens when uh, you talk a big game. Dallas Cowboys <clears throat> and then you start not <laughs> and then you start not to deliver people kind of lose expectations of you right Mo they do but you know what credit to coach prime because this time last year nobody would have watched the Colorado football game so true so, so true so say what you want win or lose we're brought we're drawn in they're on national TV now so shout out to all the Buffalo fans out there um and you know what I still think you guys are gonna make a bowl Love it. All right. We will see you right back here. Same time, same place, Monday morning, coffee and sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. We'll see you Monday. I mean, you can see right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate. All right. I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here. So I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this. Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that. People who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm Todd Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, guess it is.